Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. Going green is good for our environment, but how is it affecting filmmaking? Will LED streetlights change how we view major cities? Let's talk about it this week on Zach on Film. Welcome uh, to Zach on Film. Hey, Zach. Hey, Stephen. Uh, so this week is a little bit different. Uh, we had a snow day. We thought Zach was not going to be here. No, we Because we thought he would be out filming uh, basketball games like Peck and Paw and uh, uh, Tarantino did right. uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. That's, how they, uh, that's how they got the chops. In the that's how they got is. there. Yep, that's how they cut it. You fit in the door. So none of us had had a chance to watch uh, Rebel Without a Cause, which is the next film that we're going to discuss. But right. Zach came across a fascinating article uh, on Gizmodo and No Film School and uh, the ASC.com. They're all kind of interrelated to one another. And right. Zach wanted to discuss that this week. We're not going to be spending a whole lot of time in this episode, but we thought we'd at least bring up the topic, get it out there, and get some feedback from everybody here. So take it away, Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's happening is L.A. is doing a big uh, renovation in their city where they're changing all of their uh, sodium street lights into LED lights. And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a completely different look for the, uh, for the cityscape. The high-pressure sodium street lights have a, have a very yellow hue and like the color spectrum. That's pretty much all you get from those lights is, is the color yellow. Uh, with the LED lights giving you a little bit wider range of color, which gives you that more uh, blue tinted and clear. So you, you, you can see uh, more distinctly, I would say, with mm-hmm. the LED lights. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, they're doing this to save money. I think I saw a number. Uh, oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Like they were going to save $7 million annually from switching in this lights and they last longer. So it's good for the city overall. I mean, it's a good thing to change from uh, these outdated ways of lighting LA to new, uh, if more efficient technologies, but people in the filmmaking industry uh, needed to take notice because uh, it's going to change the way uh, that their film looks when they're filming in one of the mm-hmm. most filmed in cities in the world. Yeah. So, so you know, the yeah. lighting in, in just in the industry has changed over the years. This is an environmental lighting issue. Uh, internally, we've gone from quartz halogen lights to uh, fluorescent lights, uh, which could be balanced or not balanced, depending. And if you've been in a room or an apartment uh, that has just off the shelf fluorescent lights, you know, you might have one that's a little bit shifted to the purple, another to the mm-hmm. green, you know, all those kinds of issues. Uh, now we get into the world of LEDs, and depending on the rating of that uh, LED, you could have, a, again, a very wide range of colors that are present in that LED lighting. And here at Major Spoilers, um, when Zach and I shoot, we've used all three different kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, we've been using the fluorescent lights, uh, which I like, uh, for some reason, a little bit better than the LEDs. For some reason, the light kit that we have that's LED seems to have a kind of a greenish cast to it, and I don't mm-hmm. really like that. Um, because it changes the look of, of, of your subjects. In right. the case of this article over at gizmodo.com, uh, and then originally uh, written about on nofilmschool.com, uh, they're talking about the entire aesthetics of a city are changing. I mean, when right. we watch films like Collateral, when we see even TV shows like Cops, where you're doing the flying overhead and you see the city below, it's like, oh, there's red lights down there, or there's blue lights, or there's these sodium vapor lights, which give a, a yellowish-orange hue. And then suddenly you're going to replace that look with something that's 
kind of bluish white, that really changes the nature of how that environment feels. And uh, I was wondering what you guys thought about the role that light plays in your environment. Well, you really kind of don't think about it until it becomes an issue. But I know that um, one of the big examples for me is I work in a small room. I call it the bunker. And during the day, I'm in that room with six other people. And they have all the lights on. When the night shift gets in, they actually turn off the big overhead lights and they just use the smaller illumination. And around 4.30 or 5, this happens every single day. And it's literally like the beginning of a whole new universe. Because just that change of lighting changes it from being the well-lit day inbound center that you know we're expecting to have to the place where there's you know one person she's going to sit she's going to do whatever needs to be done it's i mean it makes a huge difference and if you were to actually try and shoot in there it would feel like two entirely different worlds what about you rodrigo i mean when we think of cities uh certain cities uh for me i always think of new york more of a of a bluish green light uh than Mm -hmm. anything else uh i guess i've always thought of uh, Los Angeles, kind of this yellowish orange light uh, here in Hayes. I generally guess things have a, uh, a bluish cast to it, even though they're not led lights. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, does this kind of, I mean, this kind of really changes the way that people use their color palette to color their films, especially right. when all of your environment lighting uh, is removed or changed. Yeah. I think um, if you think about a movie like uh, Oh brother, where art thou? Um, uh, a big part of that of why that movie is so brown is not just because um like it's set at like a dry spell or whatever which it is um but also because we think of the past in sepia tones because of photographs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and old films so that's what that's what like america in like the 19 19- hundreds to 1920s looked like right um if enough of this stuff happens eventually how we think of what a city looks like may well change you know right now when you look at the open for law and order mm-hmm. that's that's what the city looks like at night um but eventually people will go back and look at that and say well that's actually not what cities look like sure I, you know, years ago, many, many years ago, one of my first big major projects that I worked on was a spoof of detective movies. And, um, and one of the bits was supposed to take place outside, uh, lamppost streets with the light, um, you know, typical noir kind of look with two cops coming up and arresting our, our suspect. And I was like, well, look, why don't we just use a shallow depth of field? We'll go out and shoot it in front of my office building because it has the, what looked like the oldie timey lamp lamp posts. Mm-hmm. And, um, it'll, you know, it's going to be just enough illumination that we're going to need that we don't have to bring in a bunch of other lights. And everyone's like, oh, that's crazy. You're never going to get the illumination. But because it's being shot in black and white, we could go out and it was, and it had the perfect illumination. And even though, again, it was in black and white, there are still office buildings that are lit up that are casting light out into the area that give your background just that little bit of depth and feel of a bigger environment than what it needs. And when we came back and looked at it, it was perfect. And people were just amazed that you could get something off of really low lights uh, like that, just street lights like that. And I think to me, that was the first time that I really started thinking about the environment 
having a role in and the lighting in that environment, having a role in telling your story. Um, if you tried to tell a big city picture out here where we're at, Zach, I think mm-hmm. you would have a real tough time because you don't have all of that ambient light that you expect. Right. Also buildings. Yeah. Also buildings. <laughs> yeah, buildings. Uh, you know, even if you just go down Main Street on a night like tonight, you're not going to see a lot of blue light. You're going to see a no. lot of orange and red light yeah. uh, down our street. And that can have a big impact in the story that you're trying to tell. Um you know the the big the big comment that people were making on this uh, on this article was well can't they just go back in and color correct it at the end well you no. could well i mean you could but the problem <laughs> with the leds is and and this was a basic i guess physics or astronomy class um when you do a, a slit a, what is it a slit projector or a spectrum uh, yeah um, uh, spectrometer yes yes spectrometer. the spectrometer of light when you look at like an incandescent bulb it really shows you basically the entire spectrum of light. Yeah. When you're looking at sodium vapor, you're looking at, you know, a very narrow band of the spectrum. When you're looking at LED, yeah, it may appear white, but when you look at it through the spectrum uh, analyzer, you actually see that you're getting very tight bands of many of the colors that are in the spectrum, which means that that transition zone between um, uh, green and blue might have something missing in it. And if you're trying to color correct to something that's in that region, you're not going to be able to do it because that color just simply doesn't exist in that light. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's can be one of the big problems with LEDs. The other problem is they're not consistent or, um, and this is something that you should be aware of as, as a young filmmaker. Oftentimes people are looking at the cheapest price when they're going out and buying things. Um, so much equipment today can be bought for, you know, a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand of dollars. And when you see some light kits that still have a $2,000 sticker and they're LED lights, and then you look at a light kit that you can get on Amazon for, you know, 120 bucks, you're going, hey, let's go for that 120 buck. But then when you turn it on, then you're like, oh, this has a purple caster. This has a green caster. This doesn't have the white light that I thought it was going to have. Uh, I think that's when people really start to realize how important the quality of the light that they have um, is in, in their production. So what are you uh, – you're the one that brought this up. Mm-hmm. What did you uh, get from this article? What, how did it make you think and feel and uh, um, view um, how you're going to approach filmmaking in the future? Yeah, I mean it's definitely interesting. Um, I, think a, a, I think a big change uh, when I was looking at it was going to be coming from uh, a giant establishing shots of the city. Because, I mean, if, if you go, I found another article which talks about it again on uh, lacurb.com. It's mm-hmm. la.curb.com. Uh, they actually give you uh, the side-by-side comparisons that you've seen in other articles. They give you a slider to show the complete distinction between the two pictures. Oh, cool. And, the, and they show uh, a wide shot up above on a hill over L.A. And then they show those uh, sodium lights. It's a giant, just orange haze of the city. And those new LED lights are clearing up the sky. So, I mean, you're going to get a completely different image if you're going to shoot above uh la and establishing shots i have a wonderful shot i think we use this in the post-production class shot from uh griffith observatory uh uh looking over los angeles and of course it all has this nice orangish glow to it Mm -hmm. um and then that contrasted nicely because we were trying to recreate that effect of the movie and i forget which one it was about the aliens that come in the middle of the night oh and invade and you know you had that very stark blue that contrasts with it and those are two that that really look well together and it really popped out i i think you're going to have some problems uh with that in the future i think uh, i think a uh a problem now if you're going to start doing a period piece in la if you're going to do it 
I mean, going back even 10 years, five years, 20 years now that you're going to have, you're going to have to start doing something digitally to get that cast in there. Otherwise people are going to know is like, well, this really isn't that time period. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's assuming that, that, that people will notice that. Right. I mean, well, sure. uh, filmmakers get away with a lot of stuff. That's true. Um, like that, not just in like props and things like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, things like, um, uh, you know, I mean, like nobody, nobody's going to real, like they might watch that movie and say like, oh, I remember living in LA 50 years ago because I'm super old. Yeah. Right. Um, it didn't look like that, but that might just be because my, uh, because I'm super old, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think that generally speaking, people would rather see a clear movie or a movie with motivated lighting rather than a very, um, a true to life movie is, is at least right now what like, um, it, like commercial movies are, are going sure, for. Sure. Hey, but you, yeah, you guys should go look at that curb thing. Cause it's what, amazing. What's how, the address again? Cause I typed uh, in LA curb and I get a, uh, uh it's la.curb.com. Oh, la.curb. Yeah. Dot it's com. just, uh, with those sodium lights, it's just so much, it's not even just a tone of color, but it's how much brighter actually the city is, is, quite uh amazing but uh so i I just interesting to see i know they said uh new york is gonna be moving to led lights soon Mm -hmm. and so just gonna be changing i know we thought they talked about collateral on that movie because the director specifically moved from filming in new york to out to la so we could have that that unique lighting that la had to get Mm -hmm. that uh just that feeling into his picture. Yeah. And so that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be lost a little bit. Yeah. This is a pretty cool interactive slider Mm -hmm. that they have there that really shows you the almost night and day difference on the plus side. You're, you're, you know, there's appears to not be as much light pollution. Yeah. Uh, hitting up in the sky as, as you might think. Is someone in the, I think someone in the comments said maybe one day we'll actually be able to see the stars in LA. Yeah, I don't know. That might be that might be a stretch. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. I okay. mean, like, even even if you like, if you're changing the light bulbs to light that you can still see, you're not going to see the sun. <laughs> well, you know, another thing that they had tried doing in, in some cities is making sure that the light um, is focused more downward than spilling upward, because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the light pollution comes from. And it looks like maybe with some of these LEDs, when you look at this before and after, and again, I don't know how much of it is. Well, this was taken on a foggy day as opposed to a clear day sure um but uh it looks like some of that's been addressed as well interesting well zach thank you for bringing that to our attention um that shows that you're being a good uh a good learner and looking and seeing what is going on in your environment oh one thing your film yeah one one thing that i do want to bring up about this is that um when you're shooting you definitely want to do tests. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just want to go like you show up at a city and say like, Oh yes, look at how awesomely blue this city is. Let's shoot here because when you get into video and the same is true for different film stocks, but when you get into video, certain cameras shoot at certain color temperatures. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not all going to be the same. Like our cameras at work really skew 
towards blue. Yeah, and our Canon, a lot. the Canon DSLRs that Zach and I use tend to favor um, more of the reds and oranges. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you just you really do have to test your camera. And those specs are out there. Um, I've seen websites where they go in and break it down and tell you kind of where on the color spectrum things uh, things line up. So yeah, I mean you can you can use. Um, warmer cards and jungle books and Mm -hmm. gels and whatever you want all you want but be aware that even just your lens and your chip in your camera are going to uh, if you're doing it on video are going to uh, affect that as well so make sure that you do the the proper tests before you shoot something because you don't want to i mean and this happened like this happened to me in film school we shot something and it was super blue um, and I mean, we were looking at the, we're looking through the viewfinder and it didn't look that bad, but when we put it, when we loaded it into the, um, the editor, it was super blue. And so we were like, we were just like, so is this whole movie going to be blue now? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just go in and color correct all of the other scenes towards blue. <laughs> yeah. So we just made a movie that was very blue and it like, it ended up working, but obviously we didn't plan for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Zach, thanks a lot for bringing that to our attention and to our listeners' attention. And uh, we'll put links to the Gizmodo article and to the uh, L.A. Curbed uh, article as well so that you guys can read it uh, there. What's coming up next, Zach? Uh, I don't know. We're going to uh, do <laughs> We're gonna do Rebel Without a Cause next time we're here. Excellent. Uh, why don't that you give a shout-out to some of our associate producers, and then we'll wrap up. Oh, yeah. Shout out to associate producers for the show of Zach on Film. Terry Olace, Benjamin Fitzgerald, Dwayne Harder, Brian Gatley, Jeffrey Sire, Janus Schetzpeck. Oh, nope. Mess it. Schetzpeck. Nope. Mess it up again. Thank you. Uh, Nathan Olson, Tanjing Min, Chu Wow Brazil, and William Hathcock. Thank you for supporting Zach on Film, and I apologize greatly for mispronouncing your names. Especially to Janus and Joao. Yes. Uh, but I think that'll wrap us up this for this week on Zach on Film. Make sure to majorspoilers.com. We'll have the podcast posting page up there for you to comment and read uh, the articles that we've talked about this episode. While you're there, make sure to click on that Amazon.com link on top of the page to do all of your movie-loving shop, uh, shopping, uh, be it a Blu-ray player, more discs, or the big new TV to watch them all on. None of it will cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to us so we can keep giving you shows week after week after week. Uh, so next time will be Rebel Without a Cause on Zach on Film. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.